At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you again this Sunday. My family and I just returned from a week's vacation on the west side of our state. Now, I want you to know it was a mostly restful time. We did a little bit of reading. We did a, bit, a little bit of relaxing. We walked the pier, played a little frisbee on the beach, saw a sunset. That's the kind of things that we like to do on our summer vacation. We like to read. We like to get some rest. We like to relax together as a family. And what I noticed while I was on the other side of the state that was not uh, everybody has that view of summer vacation. You see, I pulled up next to this car, and it was this, this kind of aggressive-looking SUV, and they had all these stickers on the side of all the places that they had gone, all the places that they had conquered. It was like a travelogue of the Pacific Northwest. It was all there on the side and on the back of this SUV. Now, what I found fascinating about that is the idea that there's a measure of accomplishment that comes with that. You put that on your car and boldly say, I, I did that. I, I was there. I conquered it. See my sticker? My sticker proves that I did those things. I want to be clear about something. There isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer when it comes to the kind of vacation that you would like to take, whether you want to rest or you want to hustle. There is no right or wrong. There is, in fact, a time for both. Yet as I looked at those stickers, I was struck by the human desire for all of us to tell others about our accomplishments. It's in us, isn't it? It's always in us when we want to tell others what we do, what we've experienced, where we've gone, what we've done. Isn't that what social media is all about? I mean, whether you're talking about Facebook, whether you're talking about Instagram, or even the more professional side of things on LinkedIn, we tell others what we've accomplished and what we have achieved. It's what we do. We talk about our adventures. Well, today, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes. And we're going to see what one man does to address this specific idea, and it's best described as individualism. Another term for it would be secularism. What it looks like is you are the center of all that matters. It's about you. It's about your achievements. It's about your accomplishments. It's about your wisdom. It's about everything that is wrapped up in you. And yourself. You see, individualism, 
individualism is an ideology that has been around for a very long time. It doesn't just happen on the side of an SUV. It has been going on for a very long time. And we're going to dig in and learn more about that in just a moment. But first, let's pray. Gracious God, you are our heavenly Father, and you have invited us here today to worship you. You've invited us here to worship you today in spirit and in truth. God, many of us in the past week have gone through incredibly difficult things. Weather-related, power-related, whatever it might be, we've been challenged in our community quite a bit this summer. And yet, God, we desire to meet with you. We desire to gather as your people and bring you an offering of praise. So God, just for the next few moments, allow our hearts and our minds to put aside our accomplishments, to put aside our achievements, to put aside ourselves and hear from you. God, we acknowledge that your word is truth. It has everything we need to walk out our faith in the days ahead. But God, we need eyes to see this truth. We need ears to hear this truth. And then humble hearts to walk it out. And so we ask all of these things humbly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, church, we do continue our Smoke and Mirrors sermon series. And what we're doing is we are examining a series of thoughts and ideas that offer this sort of mirage of significance. And yet provide much less. Covered in the book of Ecclesiastes, what we're finding are multiple sources of where people attempt to find meaning in our lives. So what we've seen so far is naturalism. That's where life finds its meaning in science. That's what we need. If I just grab a hold of science and own that, and, and that's where I'll find meaning. That's called naturalism. And then we've looked at intellectualism, that life's meaning is found in the accumulation of knowledge. It is all about being the smartest person in the room. That's intellectualism. Then last week, Pastor Ben walked us through hedonism, where we consider and evaluate all the pleasure that we can experience in our lives, the pursuit of pleasure. And today, we continue this look. We continue this look of the words of a man known as the preacher who addresses the idea of secularism, the idea of individualism, and he tells us that the meaning of life is found in you, your individual accomplishments. He tells us that that's what happens, or he's going to explain to us what happens when we go there, when we make it all about us. So that is our foundation. Let's look at the first segment of our text today. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And what we're going to find are some significant words as it pertains to this idea of individualism. Ecclesiastes 2, we're going to pick it up at verse 12. 
Here's what the preacher writes. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what's already been done. And then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is more gain in light than in darkness. For the wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool, the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. We're going to pause right there. In some ways, the path that the preacher outlines here for us sounds similar to what we looked at a few weeks ago in terms of intellectualism. But I want you to know that this time and this space has a little bit of a twist to it. It could seem like intellectualism, but what is really happening is here, he is examining that through the lens of his personal achievement, his personal accomplishment. Clearly, he states that wisdom is of gain. It's of more gain than foolishness or mad folly. We're going to unpack what that looks like here in just a second. But what is also important for us to recognize is that most scholars will acknowledge that this is a guy by the name of Solomon who wrote this or who it was written on behalf of. So as we consider Solomon, he should know. So when he says, I am the king and I have these accomplishments and I have done all of these things, he should know because he's accomplished much in terms of worldly wisdom. That's why he says to others, only what has already been done. He can say that because he's already done it. He has already accomplished it. He is already there. He made achievement his goal. He pursued a life with wisdom, and it brought him great success as the king. Old Testament scholar by the name of Tremper Longman explains it this way. He says what he does is he sets himself up as the king, and then he concludes that if the king cannot find meaning, then no one else will be able to do so. You see, the preacher is a man of great wisdom and great status. And that is exactly why the details of what we're reading today is so important and so critical to our lives today. Consider for just a moment, who has the ear of people in our culture? Who do we follow? Who do we listen to? Who gets the attention of the masses? Well, the accomplished do. Those who have achieved, those are the people that we pay attention to. Those are the people who are always being quoted. People who have accomplished much. Those who earn the title of GOAT, the greatest of all time. And it is into the face of this cultural idolatry that you and I are witnessing every single day when we turn on the news, when we go to our favorite website, when we see this cultural idolatry, this is what the preacher helps us see clearly. That personal accomplishments do not provide ultimate satisfaction. Personal accomplishments simply do not provide you and me with ultimate satisfaction. Look back at our text. 
He said, then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this this is also vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no endearing remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come will all have been forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. It's hard to hear, isn't it? I mean, if you and I are honest with each other, if we are going to be real amongst one another, that phrase, what we just read from Ecclesiastes, is incredibly discouraging. The wise and the foolish, well, they have the same end game. Wow. So the men and women who invest all of their lives and accomplish and achieve things... And the men and women who make something significant with their lives, whether it's in business or whether it is in medicine or whether it is in engineering, these men and women ultimately suffer the same fate as the fool. Because death comes to all. Death comes to all. Death is, in fact, the great equalizer. Now, don't get me wrong. Personal achievements and professional awards are wonderful. I like them. I'm sure you like them too. When you go into the office and they give you the Employee of the Month Award, it makes us feel good. We should seek after excellence. But if that's where we're trying to find meaning for our lives, it will leave us wanting. Because there will never be enough awards. There will never be enough by way of achievement. There will never be enough in, by way of accomplishment. It will always leave us wanting more every single time. And this is why the preacher says it's all vanity. It is a chasing after the wind. Now, last weekend, the Summer Olympics came to a close. If you followed along with any of the statistics on the viewer ratings, apparently not many of us actually watched the Summer Olympics. In fact, it had the lowest viewership in modern history with just 15.6 million viewers on average. And yet the 2020 games, even though they were played in 2021, provided you and I with something very special and very significant. There was an American sprinter by the name of Allison Felix. She competed in her fifth Olympic Games. Wrap your mind around that for just a second. She competed at the highest level in the world for five Olympic Games, but she didn't just compete. That would be feat in and of itself. That would be a significant accomplishment. But Allison didn't just compete. She made track and field Olympic history, winning her 11th Olympic gold medal. Let me give you the scorecard. She's got seven gold medals. She's got three silver medals. And she has one bronze medal. Eleven gold medals. You see, in winning all of those awards, Allison Felix became the most decorated track and field athlete in U.S. history. 
more than Flojo, more than Jackie Joyner-Kersey, more than Michael Johnson, and even more than Carl Lewis. Allison Felix accomplished 11 Olympic medals. And yet she knows that her accomplishments, while great and significant in the moment, do not provide her with lasting and significant value in and of themselves. This is why she told the media before her final Olympic Games, my running is an amazing gift from God, and I want to use it to the best of my ability to glorify Him. Church, that's the difference. That is the difference. I want to use my ability not for self-glory, but for the glory of Almighty God. That is the difference. Because when we see that our accomplishments as something that have value in and of themselves, what we are doing is we are placing our value in something like catching the wind things that will be here today and gone tomorrow. And this is why the preacher says these words in verse 17. Buckle up, they're kind of harsh. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after wind. But let's be real with one another once again. What the preacher says right there actually confronts some sacred cows in your life and in mine. We don't necessarily believe that. We might say, okay, yeah, I'll I'll tip my cap to it because I, I recognize that that's in Scripture and that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, but the fact of the matter is, I like to work. I like to be excellent. Two sacred cows in our culture today are workaholism and perfectionism. So we spend more and more time on our job. When we're home, we're worrying about our job. When we're home, we're checking emails about our job because we can't let go because we get our value from our career. We place more value in that than we do in honoring God and pursuing His truth and His ways oftentimes. Workaholism is an idol in our culture today and many of us are guilty of it. And then there's perfectionism. When we get so focused on perfection, whether it's in the job, whether it's perfection at home, whether it's perfection of our image on those social media pages, that we neglect to remember that we are broken people, that we are fallen, sinful humans in need of redemption and in need of a Savior. We are a people in need of God's grace. And yet we worship at the idol of perfectionism. Now both of these practices so often honored and lifted up in our culture. Nobody will confront you on those things, by the way. You can be a workaholic and people will call you blessed. 
You can be a perfectionist and people say, man, that guy loves, he's, he's all about it. We honor those things in our culture today. But we miss one simple foundational reality that only God is supreme. Only God is supreme. And it is in his supremacy that you and I find our true meaning. That is where we find meaning for our lives in the supremacy of God. Another Old Testament author saw this clearly. He saw clearly the supremacy of God and all of his mighty accomplishments, and that led him to ask a few very important and significant questions. So I'd like you to journey with me to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to consider a few of these questions. Verse 12, who has measured the mountains in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Who has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who's done that? Verse 13, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Who has done that? Verse 14, whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who has done that? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Who has done these things? Who has accomplished all of this? We find the answer a little later in Isaiah. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint and he does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is supreme. God is incomparable. His greatness and his glory are beyond our full comprehension. Church, this is why. This is why our accomplishments and our achievements, as great as they might be, as great as they might seem in the moment, simply cannot stack up against the realities of God's greatness. They just don't compare. Now, most of us would say, well, of course, Pastor, I know that. I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm God, I know I'm fallen. I would never suggest that my achievements are anywhere near God's achievements. I wouldn't say that. We might not say it, but sometimes the way we live our lives suggests otherwise. When we boast of our achievements and our accomplishments, we're saying otherwise. So we see the ignorance of our thinking and we consider something else that Isaiah says. Chapter 42, he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Quick summary there. God's amazing glory will not be shared with another. 
No matter what your accomplishments are, no matter how many awards you've won, no matter what your resume looks like, he will not share his glory with you. But that leaves us with a few questions, doesn't it? As we consider the truth of what it says in Scripture, that leaves us with a few big questions, doesn't it? How about this? Does everything we work for, does everything we study for, does everything we train for physically, and ultimately all of our accomplishments, do they mean nothing? Of course not. Of course not. Everything we become is ultimately for the purpose of bringing God the glory that he is due. All of it. This is the beautiful irony. What the preacher highlights in Ecclesiastes as the great equalizer of the accomplished and of the foolish is death. And it is in death that you and I can experience the greatest victory. You see, for it is through the death of God's Son, Jesus, that God displays His grace, His amazing grace to you and to me. And when He does this, He shares the victory. He shares the victory that Jesus won over sin and over death. And this helps us see that God shares victory with His people. That's our second point today, that God shares his victories with his people. For while death brings despair for those who seek to find meaning and purpose in and of themselves and in their accomplishments, the death of Jesus offers you and I something completely different. It offers us something else. It offers us freedom from the penalty of sin. Church, that's called forgiveness. It offers us exemption from what we actually do deserve. That's God's mercy. And then it gives us favor in ways that we don't deserve. That's grace. So there's forgiveness. There's mercy and there's grace. And these are the things that God shares with those who surrender their lives to Him in faith. Church, when we repent of our sin, when we repent of our sin and lay down our achievements and our accomplishments and our rewards at the foot of the cross and place our faith in Jesus Christ and what He accomplished on the cross, when we do that, we are acknowledging that Christ is sufficient when we lay down all that we've earned, we acknowledge that Jesus and His work on the cross is sufficient. So church, my hope for us today, my hope for you, my hope for myself, is that we may stop striving. Stop achieving and accomplishing things for our glory and truly rest in the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. 
We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.